You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you're insurgency me up, man. in their you're lives. Fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. All right, Marcus. Dun 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 dun. All right, brother. This is a big show, man. This is a big deal. Now, sure. now I know you and I have talked over and over and over and over again that we were never going to discuss politics. We we're never going to get into the, the any of this stuff. But I think it's important with where we're at. We're we're in we're in a very unique time and place. And what I what you know what the wizard and you and me were talking about doing, man, is is to take a step back because we, we're bringing on an awesome guest, somebody that's going to give some real insight into uh, you know his pop in a really unique way. So before we get into that, you know, I before- thought it was cool. We got a chance to do this. You know, I mean. Um- different than the, we normally do on the podcast, but step away and get a chance to, to have him on and, and um, ask some questions that, 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 we, that we've been thinking about. Oh, totally. To- I mean, and, and these are important things that were popping up in our brains, right? And, and, and the meaning of, of, of big things and, and to want to get into more of the depth of the character and the integrity of, of his pop. I think that was important to me. I mean, I think that's the one thing that's really been, you know, under, under question right now and what's going on. And, sure. you know, I, 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 that's why I'm stoked we were able to do that. But before we get to Don Jr., let's let you and I have a talk. All right, man, because right. this is an this is an this is a powerful time we're in. Something's on your mind. It, it, well, it is. It really yep. is. And it's been, you know, I, you, I, you know, I was on the road all last week and, you know, did a bunch of different events and, you know, people kept hitting me up, man. They're like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you? And I, and oh, I so think, you got some questions. I got a bunch, man. Uh, all right, yeah. all I right, got cool. a bunch. I got a bunch. And, and so I, I thought we should be able to just talk about it a little bit. And, and, and so uh, the way we'll reference this thing is, is, you know, what do you and I think that will make America great again. What do you think? <laughs> let's try it. All right, so let's try this. So the first one we're going to talk about, and, and is something that I think is very important to you and I, is the VA healthcare system. Yeah. You know, and and so obviously you have been, you know, had a huge part of that, you know, in, in your life and in, in terms of your recovery. And I'm just starting to get into it myself. Just started uh, submitting some claims uh, and going through the process. Now, I remember when I first got out uh, the teams, I had, you know, my stomach was jacked up, yeah, dude. I went cool. on a yeah. anyway. So I, I turned all this stuff in, man. And, and you know what their response to me was a couple weeks later? We have no idea what's affecting you. Uh, uh, we're sorry. And that was it. Now, yeah. Garen, granted, that was in the beginning. That was right when everything was came. But fast forward, man, we're, we're still struggling. It's tough. I mean, cause the VA, you, when, what, what's it finally makes it to the news and they, and they break that out and, and just think because everything that's on right now, it's tough to, to stay focused on that. 
but it it is a man. It's a travesty because the doctors and nurses there they they want to be there, right? They're great. I when I went in there and dealt with them, it's fantastic. It's like, once it gets above that, and the plain fact that you got our brothers and sisters dying in the street, man, I that's just that's unsatisfying. That's well, just criminal, right? Well, that's, here's a crazy statistic that I pulled up for this one, and and, and this was disgusting. I'm it, keep going with it. With, oh, well, I mean the the. the so here's one I got for you. So as of September 30th, 2014, more than 307,000 pending records in the enrollment system, right? And about 35% of those totals were individuals who had died months or even years ago. Mm. I mean, that's catastrophic, brother. And, and, you know, we're getting ready to come into, you know, all the 9-11 babies. It's crazy because when we, when our healthcare system, while we're in the military, it's Awesome, right? You, I mean, you got a dental appointment, get over there. You go in, dental appointment, and you're out. I mean, just bam. What, where'd that break go? Where, where'd that come from? Why can't we just stick the general up at the top, let him run it like, or an admiral up there and run it like a ship like it's supposed to and just, and keep that flow going? Well, I think partly because, uh, I, you know, the, the reality is because- Take care of our own, right? That, we take that, care of our own. That, that's I, what I, I would do, when right? When did that stop? I don't know, man. I, I think once, anytime bureaucracy gets too big- there's a tendency where people get a little lazy. And I'm not saying by any measure, everybody in the VA says, well, putting it out in the open, like it's broken, but nothing ever gets, that's the frustrating part, right? There's nobody fixing anything. In fact, when you look at these cats, it's worse, it gets worse or well, something. Huh? So here's another crazy thing that in nearly 189,000 employees received more than 177 million in bonuses for the fiscal year of 2015. That's according to the USA Today, man. <laughs> they shouldn't get paid that much. Obviously, that's right. I'm, that's a ridiculous number. That's what my point. But the, the overall point is, it, so so regardless of who goes in office, I think I don't even. Uh, that's it's so frustrating. I don't even know how to be frustrated at it. <laughs> I'm trying to make my point here, but I I can't get it. Pr- Damn it! Fix it. You know what? I, you know what? You know what we can get do. Out, you walk into any hospital if you got a problem with your military ID, throw it on the counter, get you, and then leave. It, it, it should work like a credit card, right? Like a credit card. I had a credit card. You walk in there with that ID, throw it on there. Like I served this country valiantly, man. I got kind of jacked up, caught something over. I can't get rid of. Got the number threes. You mind if I come in here and get some IVs? Sure. Special room right over there yeah, for you. Yeah, the VA with a doctor room. Sitting in there. Exactly. There's a, a military doctor in every hospital. So if you got a vet that walks in there, it's its own clinic. Yep. And, and, and it would it would it would streamline all this. I like your ideas, man. You're on point. Town. Your doctors. It, I grew up. Man, my sawbones has been taking care of me <laughs> since I was a, a boy. You know what I'm talking about? Right, right. He uh, knows when I'm coming in there and milking it and when I'm not milking it. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like sometimes things can get so complicated that they break down. Bureaucracy, too everybody, big. I have a hard... I just have a hard time believing that everybody who runs for public office goes up there and is bad. I, I don't it's think not it's true. I think it's not true. The system itself is so condensed and it's it flows in such a way that even the, the best of intentions, you get up in there and you can't, it takes so long to break into there. Everyone, it's like the SEAL teams. Morgan made this, this uh, he used this analogy. He's like, man, people who run for office say, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. It'd be kind of like a new guy getting into the SEAL teams or one <laughs> team wonder. Remember, we talked about yeah, this. Yeah. Saying, I'm here to change everything. No, you ain't. You got to get in there and work your way up. And, but, and that's why you have to be motivated. A lot of people get in there and they, and they hit those walls or whatnot and then they back up they and quit. then talk about real. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you go in there with the mindset, like, hey, I only got four years to get something radical done. I'm going to make as much noise as humanly possible. 
Amen. And that's what I think we need. I think that's obvious that that needs to happen. Now, one of the things that, you know, I, I think that's a good segue into in another discussion is is the concept of of long term politicians and our political infrastructure right now. Um, you know, I, would would you agree with with, you know, uh, term limits for politicians? I think, well, I don't want to ever mess with the Constitution and the baseline and all that, uh, but I think that somebody's a career politician and never spent one second in the in the civilian sector, military or business, whatever it is. I don't, it's I, it, it's kind of hard for me to to completely understand that you would you could comprehend what was going on out here. Oh, brother, it, it, it's you know impossible. I mean? I, and I I think if guys go in and run for office and then serve and then leave and then like you have to skip. <laughs> At you least a bunch, yeah. There's got to be a break in service, right? right? Got to be a break in thirty years. <laughs> You're a thirty year guy because we have thirty year military. Of course, that's completely different. I mean, when you look at it, but well, well, it's, hold it's, on a sec. Go out back because because look, man, out here in the real world, it changes every day. It's kind of like in war, right? If yep. you're not in combat, if you're out of there for more than thirty days, you don't have anything to say. Nothing. The battle rhythm's already changed. Just like. The American. No, I know where you're going. You're, you're totally going. Yeah. So you look at the culture class. Well, I, I like to think of it about like this, man. Think about this. You, you, you do 20 years in the teams and you get out and try and become a civilian. It ain't easy, man. Cause it's a whole different, uh, op tempo. It's a whole different set of rules. It's a whole different thing. But so I like where you're going with that, that there should be mandatory breaks in service where people have to go out, become reintegrated and what's actually going on, man. And I, I think that would be a, a lot better for sure. Cause and that's that, why it's so important that the, and that, that's what I love about this country is because we shift power so often every four to eight years and then it, and it kind of bleeds down. But that's why the States are so important. It's everything. I mean, all those people that are elected from the States, they go up in there and, and, and how it's supposed to run. And I, I understand that's why it takes a lot, a long time to get things done as well, because people from Texas, we think a little bit differently and we, we, we act a little bit differently than people from up North and from the East coast, from the West coast. So you got to melt them together and then come to a common, common ground. Sure. Yeah. It's gotta be tough. <laughs> I, I, I see that now. I've been up there. I've hung out with them. I'm like, I get it, man. I'm, they, they do take heavies. I mean, that job shouldn't be fun, right? I mean, no. And just getting up there and having the, the moxie to, to stand tall and well, not, but here, the caveat to that is you can't, you got to remember who puts you there. Amen. That's the toughest part. And, and represent them. And represent them. So I, I, man, I would never want to do that job. Well, well this is, a, this is, this is an interesting pivot right here. Let's stick with this constitutional concept that you're driving down right now, because I think this is very interesting, especially when you look at the fact that we have, you know, some potential big Supreme Court nominees coming up. Right. I mean, there's you know, there's uh, what, like three Ginsburg's 88, Kennedy's 80. Uh, Brayer is is 78. So there's going to be some new Supreme Court justices coming on on board. Now, if if you and I, if you were thinking about, are you, Marcus, you got an opportunity to put somebody in, right? Put somebody mm-hmm. in power there, and 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 you know, do you, how do you think about that? I mean, that's got to be a massive. Imagine that falling on your shoulders. I mean, this I is it, that's, it's a big deal. Be, you don't really understand how important those justices are. They're huge. They're everything. Are we talking about that or or the? The statue of the justice should be blind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, blind. right. I mean, they can't see. They're yeah. they're, they're, they're blind. The scales. Blind yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, man, I remember growing up. My dad had that little statue. The uh, uh, what is it? The 
Lady Justice. Justice. In, in, in his office. And I always used to dig it, man. I was like, and I remember we used to say, well, why does she have a blindfold on? She's got to be able to see what she's doing. And she's like, and my pop was like, no, because true justice is an adherence to the strict law of the land. Right. And, so, and, but what if all of our judges were blind? It, well, well, I, I think when our forefathers set up the three branches of government, they never intended for the Supreme Court to become one as powerful as it did, and two, that it would become politicized, right? Because you, you, that, I mean, we have a space station above us, as you probably you can see from Earth. I mean, there's a lot of things. That, you know what I mean? They weren't planning for. It. That's why that Constitution is so great. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, a living docket, right? Yeah, you grew. I mean. Your your dad is a judge, man. You you know all about this Lawyer. how it works. Yeah. So um, Yeah, no, and and it was a real big part of uh the, the, the high schools that I went to was uh civics and, and learning about American history in terms of that as it relates to the Constitution and, and I was I was very fortunate to understand that early on. The challenge is is you know, you you don't feel you know, until you're staring at you know, potentially losing your Second Amendment rights or a manipulation of immigration. Do you think, do you think they'd do that? I don't know, brother. I can't. I can't answer someone that. someone who is so. I mean, the Supreme Court justices are so. I mean, the Constitution is their is their life, right? It should be. Do you think that that even if you put five of the most liberal justices on there, that they would they would take that out of there? I, I don't know. It's about interpretation. I, I, I have no idea either. I, it, it's a question. I think the the important thing that you and I are trying to raise to people who are listening to this show, in particular, is. These are questions you need to fundamentally be asking yourself during this election because our two candidates, right? Uh, you know, regardless of anything, they have two very differences of opinions. You know, when you think about voting and, and what it means, right? And, and the fact that only about 60% of registered eligible voters cast ballots in the last four elections, what's that about? And, and, and so I think one of the things that, you know, it, it's important. What's, what's that great line? If you didn't vote, you can't complain for the next four it, years. Exactly. Exactly. Although here's an interesting thing. And I don't know if you saw, I was going to send you this. Uh, it came out a couple of weeks ago. You, you know, Mike Rowe, right? Mike is, you know, the dude who, uh, does the shows on uh, the dirtiest jobs. Dirty job. and, Love that guy. He's the best, right? Oh, uh, he's the best. He's, yeah. he's absolutely like one of my favorite dudes out there because he's got that great common sense that, that he, he likes to throw out. So one of the this things. Is, Humor's got to be epic to do that job. Oh, right? you have to. I just to. love to hang out with that guy because of the. <laughs> I watched that show, man. Oh, I I, I still watch too. I mean, he's got that the new one uh, because someone's got to do it or something like that. I still love that as well. Well, anyways, so remember, I don't know if you saw, but those stars from from L.A. did the little chopped up video why you should vote, all that stuff. Well, someone, oh, yeah, well, someone sent him uh, an email and it said, hey. Uh, Mike, you need to come out and tell those, you know, tell, you know, respond to that thinking that he was this hardcore, you know, up opposite of opposition to them or whatever. But Mike came out in his, his common sense approach way, which was so cool. And he says, listen, there are some people out there who shouldn't vote. <laughs> there, there are some people out there who are not doing enough to educate themselves on the power of these issues and how it's going to influence them. So is it important that they go cast well, I mean, an uninformed that's, ballot? That's, that's kind of turned into part of it. Right. 
if you're not re- if you're not willing to recognize that this is how our system works, this is what's important. If you don't understand what that a, a candidate needs 270 electoral votes to to win the election, not just the popular vote, right? Then then you know you gotta you gotta ask yourself why don't I care that much about it, right? Well, and, then you start to see as as you get older and, and you have kids and a family and more responsibilities actually in to survive out here in the. Uh, the real world. <laughs> In the real world. I mean, you, you kind of look at it like, well, all right, well, that voting deal is huge. And you know that better than anybody. We've been over there where they can't vote. Nothing. It's and dictatorial. I mean, yeah, you bring in a, a foreign military to set up shops so people have the right to vote on top. I mean, scariest thing is that they're going to die. They're walking yep. around with those those blue fingers, man. That's that's a death sentence. Literally. But it was Literally. so important that that happened. And it's it, uh, and I, I don't like I said. When you're young, you don't really. I mean, we don't care about that stuff, no, right? No, just just give me, tell me what my mission is, and let <laughs> what me, do you me to do? <laughs> get out of the way, and that kind of thing. And and that's that's another beautiful thing about growing up in America is you evolve and you see what's important, and, and that these are important decisions. And and when your parents, when you heard, when you heard them talking at the dinner table about the stuff, and you left to go watch TV, you're like, all right, now it's kind of making sense. And now it's our turn. And now it's our turn. I love it. So, and that's an interesting thing. You know, when you look at what's going on around the world right now, it also plays another important role too. With you look at foreign policy, and these, these two have very different foreign policy ideas. You know, how they gonna what they're gonna do with the military, how they're gonna go out and project, uh, uh, you know, American power and influence around the world, and it's radically different. I mean, very yeah. opposed. Well, I I have something to say on that one. Let's hear it. I mean, it, the look, I was on. Uh, I think it was on Fox Business when when that video came out of our, all those guys on their knees out there in the ocean with the yeah guns down. That the was a huge guys. deal. Huge deal. I mean, I, those same that could have been that could have went differently. Those same guys could have engaged. It's it's not down. Ultimately, it's not on them. Right? They're taking orders. Yep. So if you want to know how strong you you really are, you, there's your example right there. I'm on our knees, and most people don't realize how how. What an impact that had everywhere else. Oh, massive. The United, United States on the knees. And then you got these MIGs strafing those, those Brother. destroyers. Brother, it's, it's you happened just the other the day. the captain of that boat wouldn't, wouldn't blow that dude out of the sky j- just for practice. Whammy. Gone. You're going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna do a flyby. You're going to strafe uh, an American destroyer. You must be out of your mind. Well, brother, how, how many people actually know you that? You out of your mind with it being in radar shot of that thing. But, I mean, it's, it shouldn't be one of those... De- we're like, oh, I, you know, let's test them to see what if they might shoot us down. What just the fact that you even think you can test the boy, that, that guy, that guy out there is it's crazy. And how many people in the country actually even know that we've lost three America, four Americans in the last two weeks in in Iraq and Afghanistan? I mean, nobody even understands that this fight, this war is still going on. And, and whether it's radical Islam or it's, you know, well, we've got moved to an advisor role. Absolutely, but it's still. I mean, we're still in a fight for sure. I mean, you know. uh, Well, we know that (laughs) the American public, when you when when they got when we got transferred over to an advisor role, that's I mean, people die all over the country. That's that's how you can shake that down, right? Look at how look at how Charlie Big Chuck died. I mean, they QRF'd him. He took on twenty dudes. Took on what six hundred ISIS fighters. 
and 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 we're going strong. So there are, there are people, whether it's the teams or it's other people out there, still on the front line, still projecting American power out there in a positive, influential way that's supposed to keep us great. And and I think that's an important thing to understand is that we are a great country. We are the greatest country out there. Well, we're we're from every country, right? That's what I melting pot of every country. So I mean, it's kind of like I hate Americans. Well, what other country do you hate? <laughs> yeah, just be us because you know, we, we we may have somebody from everybody. <laughs> totally, totally, and 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 that's what makes America great, right? Is the fact that we can come together, we can you, join. You keep, we keep producing generations of men and women who will go do it. Amen. But they're getting smaller. They're you know, getting that, smaller. that could very well stop. Oh, it could stop tomorrow. Indifference is like a disease, right? Indifference. Once it settles into your heart and it settles into your life that, you know what? This doesn't mean anything to me. This election isn't important to me. This election isn't going to affect my life, whether I'm on the front line or I'm flipping burgers or I'm, I'm running my small business or I'm, you know, I'm in the financial world. It's not going to affect me. The reality is it does affect us. Well, I mean, history repeats itself all the time. Amen. The, techno- the technology is what's different. Yep. And the farther you get away from, from a certain point in history, the, the, the more likely it is to repeat itself, especially if you don't study it or if you're changing it. And then it's it just, it could go either way. It will repeat itself because it, we are human beings. We're human and beings. The, and the human condition <laughs> doesn't human know, condition, exactly. doesn't, doesn't understand historical relevance in the, in the, <laughs> Well, listen, brother, that was that was a great talk, man. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things that you and I both believe and we want our listeners to know is that, hey, regardless of what's going to hit you, when it's going to hit you, the hard times, the good times, whether it's politics, whether it's it's a work, it's it's immigration, it's it's constitution, it's whatever it is, you, you it's important in your life to understand what's going on. It's important in your life to get out there and not quit on your civic duty, right? Understand. Understand who these two people are, understand what their what their focus is and, and how it's going to affect you in your life, because it makes the difference on how you're going to vote here in about a week. And, and that's critical. Understand what's around. So, Marcus, what's you- the best way to get into it? If you are one of those who do, you are going to go out and vote and you, you do care about what's going on, make sure you educate yourself on both sides and um, don't be don't limit yourself just to what somebody else tells you get out there and experience it. That's, that's the best way to do it. Well, I love that. That's the perfect segue to bringing on the person, our guest, who who truly is passionate about what he's doing, and in particular, which is supporting his father. And I got to tell you, we're so excited to bring him on to give his perspective on some unique ideas that we really wanted to understand, Marcus and I. So without further ado, what do you say, Marcus? Let's bring on Donald Trump Jr., should we? Yep, let's do it. Marcus, we're here. We made it here. We made it to this point, man. And we got him on. He's coming. I mean, we've been hounding. We've been dogging him. We've been going. We've been pushing hard. But we finally got him on the podcast. You had to go track (laughs) him down. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome Mr. Donald Trump Jr. Donald, thank you so much for being on with us, brother. 
It's my pleasure, guys. Hey, I, I don't know. I don't think I was that hard to find. I, you know, when you guys said you wanted me on, I said I got to do that. I mean, that's the American way, right? <laughs> it seems no, like I it. what it took to get to that exact point, though. <laughs> Okay, well, next time, we, we know a lot of guys in common. Just, just shoot, me a, shoot me a text, you know? Absolutely. You got it. All right, all right. so we're going to jump right in this, all right? And this is the way we roll on this podcast is, is we're going to get right to it. Number one, what everybody wants to know, because what we do on this show is we bring people from all walks of life on to hear the world's greatest never quit story. So, Don Jr., can you please just start out and tell us, in your opinion, what is your dad's greatest never quit story? Oh, wow. Well, listen, he, you know, as you've seen, you know, he, he's not a quitter. You can't do what he's been doing for 40 years uh, if you're a quitter. But honestly, I'd, I'd say you know, I, I was pretty young at the time. I was you know, just probably 12 years old at the time. And this was the early 90s when sort of the, the first real estate depression of his uh, you know, career sort of kicked in. Uh, and I remember he was walking down the street. It's sort of a great story. There's the, on Fifth Avenue. There was this. Uh, there was a blind homeless man that used to sit there, and he would sell pencils for years. He was he was there. He was sort of a fixture on Fifth Avenue. Uh, and my father was walking by um, with what's my stepmother, and you know he goes, you know, look over there. You see that guy? She goes, yes. You know, he's worth nine hundred million dollars more than I am right now. <laughs> and she goes, what do, you, what do you mean? We, you know, we have Trump, we live in Trump tower. We're, you know, what do you mean? He goes, no, no, no. Assume he's worth zero. He's worth 900 more than I am right now. Uh, and I think wow. you know, that, that really showed sort of the magnitude of you know, what happened in the early nineties. And rather than, uh, you know, give up rather than declare bankruptcy, like so many other people, you know, he fought and he fought, and you know, a little bit different than the way you guys fight, but uh, uh, you know, in, in a suit. Uh, but he was in there every day. He worked twenty four seven for you know months and even years uh, at a time to to be able to fight. And it wasn't just fighting for himself. You know, he was fighting for the tens of thousands of people he actually employs. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between him and so many of these politicians today. You know, he's actually employed real people. You know, employment and talking about job creation, it's not some magical unicorn that you summons by pushing a button like the politicians would have you believe. You know, he's actually done it. And so he fought every day for himself, for his family, and for the people and families whose livelihoods depended on his success and the success of his company. You know, so that was just an amazing story for me because you know, it just sort of showed the magnitude of where he was uh, in that low. And rather than giving up and rather than saying, okay, bankruptcy, I'll go to court, we'll figure it out later, you know, he went in and he made deals and he fought for every last cent and every last yard uh, to be able to claw back and, and really you know, bring his company and himself you know, from the brink uh, to a much bigger level of success than he had ever experienced even before that. So to me, that was always an amazing story because it just shows you, you know, how far you can go if you just never stop, if you don't give up. And, and again, you've seen it over the last 18 months. I mean, he doesn't stop. You know, when our candidate's taking three, four naps a day, my father's giving five or six rallies a day <laughs> to 10, 15, 20, 25,000 people at a time. You know, the level of work ethic, the level of energy, uh, you just can't compare the two. It, it, he, it's remarkable to me. I can't, I can't, I mean, he's, he's better than the Energizer, Buddy Marcus. I'll right. tell you what. <laughs> no <laughs> there, but yeah. When, when, uh, when I, when they, when I heard somebody asking him, Chris, like, said, what do you do for exercise? Like, you ever been on a presidential campaign? That, that's <laughs> exercise, man. It's, it's nonstop. Oh, no, 
It's funny, man. I've done that on days where I'm, you know, where I'm out there and I'm nothing compared to him. I follow him around for a day. I'm 38 in pretty good shape. And, you know, man, I get done with the day. I'm beat. But you're right. You, you get up and speak in front of a crowd and you're giving them that energy. Marcus, you know, you do a lot of this kind of speaking. I mean, exactly. you give them that energy and you need to give them the energy. Otherwise, you come across terribly. But you give them that energy. I've walked off the stage and I felt like I just did a squat workout. It, it's weird. You, you were like, what did I do? I was speaking for 25 minutes, but it, it takes it out of you. It well, does. I mean, especially if you're like passionate. Better stuff. You can count air miles plus your foot miles in a, in, a, in a day. I did six separate flights one day last week for 15 <laughs> different events. I mean, think about it, six flights in one day. Like, that, that was just the logistical part of it. That had nothing to do with actually doing anything. Uh, you know, it, it's a brutal process, but if you, if you have the energy and you have the willpower, you can do it. Awesome. Man, I, a while back, uh, Mr. Trump flew down. I got to spend the day with him and kind of just when the campaign was early on. And I, one of the things I really respect about their family is, is their family. Yeah. I mean, and this isn't a shot across y'all's bow or anything like that, but when you have a father who's uh, in the public spotlight and he, and he is who their father is, man, usually if you have as many kids as they do, some of them are going to maybe venture away or something. All those kids are squared away. That's what All I was of them. looking at. And then when I got, oh. to, when I got to know y'all, that 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 really resonated and and it's kind of the way it is in, in my family and this 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 is the next question actually brother but a lot of guys man we don't have fathers like or they don't have fathers like that they get that never quit mindset from somebody else a tv show or, or an athlete or something like that man you guys as close as y'all are and uh you know that just that lineage and, and, and how y'all work together that that never quit mindset was there that one time where he where you saw something you know what i'm talking about it's that one deal it's like oh yeah, yeah. i got it now that's that's the path I'm supposed to walk. And I'm sure it's different for every one, every one of your siblings, but, or hell, it could have been the same. You know what I'm talking about? One of those yeah. moments. I, I, I do. Well, uh, so much of it is just watching him. You know, when you, when you, when you get to be around a guy who's, you know, it's like an animal, the energy and the fight and that he doesn't, he doesn't quit. So you, I mean, you absorb some of that. Cause you, you see it. It's like, wow, this is just, this is how you conduct yourself for us. That's normal. Uh, even though it's not, <laughs> you know, but you, know, <laughs> exactly. anyway. you don't know the difference but for us. I think for me, honestly, it was the way, you know, he brought us up in the way that, and both my parents really, but to make sure that we knew how lucky we were to have the, you know, the blessings that we had, you know, that we came from a wealthy family, that we had these great opportunities, but they always made us work. Uh, and it wasn't like, Hey, go make your bed and you get a car. It was, you know, by the, by the time you earned what you wanted, uh, it was, it was no longer cool. Right. It was like, I got Nintendo when everyone else got Sega, uh, you know, if I'm not dating myself with that one. So it was always like that. So I, I remember, you know, when I started working, I was about 13 years old. I was away for the summer at a, working as a dock attendant in what was you know that Atlantic City, you know, hooking up sewage system, hooking up electrical systems, nice. and I did that for about two summers, and that was nice. You're on the docks. So I was making minimum wage and tips, so I think everyone should work for tips. That that teaches you something about service and being humble and uh, and getting it done. But he was like, then okay, now now we're going to go a little bit more aggressive. I started working in landscaping, so I, I would say I'm the only son of a billionaire who can drive a D10 Caterpillar because I've actually done it. <laughs> Had to do it. Uh, awesome. And so I was working landscaping and running chainsaws and clearing out stuff, and I mean brutal work. And I remember about three quarters of the way through summer, I go, man, you know, I used to make minimum wage and tips. There's no tips in landscaping. You know, nah. It's just working. And so I'm making a minimum wage, and I end up going to him and go, you know, hey, Dad, uh, why haven't I gotten a raise yet? He goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm making minimum wage. I'm not making the tips I used to make when I was younger and having more fun and easier work. Uh, he goes, well, did you ask for it? I go, no. He goes, well, why would I pay you more than you're willing to work for? Uh, so <laughs> that, was, that was the introduction awesome. to negotiation. It wasn't this is how to negotiate a deal. It's like, hey, hey, little man, uh, you don't get anything in life you don't ask for. If you, if, you don't, if you don't fight for it, you're not going to get it. 
uh, you know, life's not just going to hand you things. And so, you know, th- that's when I learned about negotiation. So I tried to go retroactive. That, that failed miserably. But I learned you don't get anything in life you don't ask for if you don't fight for it. it my, I asked that same question to my father, too, and he swung the common sense bat around on me pretty hard. And, and it's, it's an eye-opening deal when that yeah. happens. But, you know, yeah. that's exactly it, it, what you said. Oh, yeah, you you know got to work for it. Hey, I'm talking about it, you know, let's call it, what, 25 years later. So it, it, it sunk in. Oh, they always do. Those lessons are the greatest lessons that we learn. I mean, you know, we, we talk about it all the time on the show that, you know, the most powerful lessons that stay with you for the rest of your life are exactly what we're talking about right now. That dedication to hard work, the witness of something profound, hearing stuff that just is driven into your psyche that you yeah. you you don't deny that and you allow you allow it to just keep coming back as a, a like yeah. a badge or, or a, an idea that kind of represents who you are and what your character is oh, that's now. your baseline yeah, yeah. your baseline uh, absolutely. It, it was so simple and yet it stuck with me you know he could have sat me down for a three-hour lecture it would have not had nearly the effect of why would i pay you more than you were willing to work for so <laughs> if i wasn't going to ask for myself why would i do it and i was like man he's, he makes a solid point those few words uh were a lot more important than any lecture i'd ever learned Oh, oh, especially that. you've been out there all day busting your ass, and you come in here like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> oh, we, yeah, no. we talk about this." I, I, yeah, it was totally demoralizing, but it was it was uh, amazing at the same time. You know, I love it. All right, next question for you is: you know, in in our world, in the teams, right? Our our greatest cultural attributes are really ideas like honor, integrity, high standards, and and one of the things that I want to you know. You know, you talk again and again about witnessing your father and his commitment to the people in his organizations, the commitment to, you know, the people all around him. And especially we're talking about you guys and his commitment to you. How, how do you what do you what uh, what about your father's actions being in sync with that kind of mindset? Is it is it every day that it happens? And how often a day do you do you watch and witness his yeah. his commitment to those things? Well, it's quite often. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, those are the things he holds with in highest highest regard. I mean, you could see, and you guys probably heard. I mean, he was pretty frustrated in 2008. He was pretty frustrated in 2012. You know, he's not a guy that's just going to sit there and and talk smack from the sidelines. I mean, he said, "Okay, it's time to get in." But the reason he didn't get in earlier in 08 or in 12, you know, was because you know I'm the oldest son and. We're in a family business, and he, was, he wasn't going to leave those tens of thousands of employees that he actually has and say, hey, congratulations, my son's 28 or 29, whatever I was in 2008, and say, uh, good luck. He's probably competent. I'm not 100% sure, but he wasn't going to risk those people's livelihoods, their family's well-being uh, you know, for that. So, you know, I mean, I think that shows an incredible level of loyalty. And he always, from, from day one, one of the great stories he ever told me was about the building of Trump Tower. Uh, you know, Trump Tower is built by, you know, we're right next to Tef- Tiffany's here on Fifth Avenue. It was sort of his namesake first big project. And when he was building Trump Tower, the guy that owned Tiffany's owned the air rights above it. So sort of, let's call it the space above the buildings. Mm-hmm. You can transfer that stuff around in New York. So for Trump Tower to go as tall and be as big and majestic as it is, he had to own the air rights. So he made this deal. And it was a handshake deal with the owner of Tiffany's next door to buy the air rights for a set number of dollars. And, you know, they made this handshake deal and, you know, they went and told the lawyers to draw it up. And he went to go close on this thing and, and show up for the closing. And he goes and he, close, he goes for the closing. And this other guy from Tiffany, their lawyers say, they realize what was going on and what happened. And they go, no, 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 well, we got to renegotiate. The price is way too low. What is There's no way we can do this. You should not do it. They're telling. And the guy from Tiffany goes, guys, you don't understand. I gave him my word. Awesome. I gave him a handshake. And, you know, my father's sitting there being like, yeah, God, I'm going to get retraded. And, you know, I may not even be able to do this project that ultimately was really, you know, what started off his uh, major career. 
but this guy kept his word. And I remember my father telling me that story. And that was more of a lecture. Like, you better be like this yourself one day. Uh, you, you better remember these kind of things. Because today you can't, you know, what used to be a handshake, now you need 400 pages and documents signed by everyone, notarized by people. You know, so, you know, that story that he always told me about honor and loyalty uh, and, you know, honoring your commitments, you know, that, that was amazing. And that was one of those that uh, always really stuck. And it's the way he's conducted himself. I mean, it's, it's, it's that way, uh, that, that, that's that standard that's so missing uh, in so much of America today uh, that he'd love to be able to bring back. And unfortunately, it's not likely. We live in, a, in more complicated times. Uh, you know, but that story about, hey, this guy could have done whatever he wanted. What was a handshake? How are you going to prove it? How are you going to, you know, but that this guy would go against his lawyers and go against millions and millions and millions of dollars to be able to say, no, 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 you don't understand. I gave my word and we're going to honor the pledge. You know, that really, that handshake allowed my father to become who he is. Who knows what would have happened if he wasn't able to build this thing. Wow. Well, I think that just goes to show you that you keep that integrity. Yeah. I mean, Correct. I, I understand if you're, you can be as powerful as you want, but eventually in this country, if if you're not that way, you're going to, you're going to suffer and go away. It all comes out in a wash. <laughs> right. And uh, I a hundred percent. And you see that and people call him out on it. They say, but you know, think about it. Like you can't be in business if you're not that way for long periods of time, you know, you can be a bull in a China shop and you can be a jerk and you can, you know, roll someone over once you can do it twice. But you can't do it for 40 years. No. You can't do it for 40 years like my father has and still be out there and still be known and still have this reputation and still be able to get the best deals and still be able to have amazing people who've worked for you for 30 years. You know, you can get it, get away with it a couple times, but I mean, I wish that's the side of my father that I wish more Americans could see. Well, you're telling them, brother. You're yep. telling them right now. We, we love right that now. you're out there doing it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, all right. So the next question I got is, you know, one of, one of the wild things about becoming an operator in special operations is we got a, a real, you know, strong reputation of being renegades of, you know, playing outside the box, counterinsurgency, counter, you know, guerrilla warfare, in particular us in, in the teams, unconventional that our predecessors yeah. in Vietnam started. And, and one of the things that, you know, is obvious, I mean, glaringly obvious, just open up a, a paper and, and look at, you know, the onslaught of, of, of opposition against your pop is that he is outside the political establishment. Uh, now in, 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 you know, a lot of times people are condemning y'all for, for in him for doing this. Do you agree with this comparison? And, and if you do is, is it an asset to your father? If, you know, if, if, and when he becomes elected next week, yeah, I, I think 100%. I mean, listen, you, you, yeah, I think there's no doubt that he's a renegade, right? I think, <laughs> uh, you, and you guys would probably agree that if the elite in the media, if the elite politicians on both sides, frankly, because both sides have really failed us, right? Both sides have gotten us into this mess. Both sides have made so many promises Amen. that they'll never be able to deliver on because they've never done it in the real world. They're just politicians. Uh, you know, if Wall Street's against you, if Hollywood's against you, if, again, both sides of the, uh, the political spectrum are against you and the elite, guess what? you're probably doing something right because those guys have all gotten really rich off of this system. Those guys have gotten really rich while the American public, the average people, the men and women who built this great nation, you know, they haven't seen an effective pay raise in 20 years. You know, while DC gets rich and all the zip codes around DC are the richest in the country. You know, if all those people are against you, Hey, a, you're a renegade and B you're probably doing something right because his heart's in the right place. I, I always say this and I've gotten, I've gotten in trouble for it, but I'll say it again. Cause I don't care. My dad doesn't need this job. All right? He doesn't need I love this job. That. Okay, he doesn't need it. He wants this job because he loves this country. He loves what it stands for. He loves the American dream, and he wants to make sure that all people, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, that they have the same opportunity to start a great business, to raise a great family, 
to live the American dream. And guess what? The politicians who've made us all these promises for decades, what have they got us? Nothing. They've got us $20 trillion in debt. Okay? They've got us you know, into terrible situations all over the place, whether that be fiscally, whether that be in wars, whether that be a crumbling infrastructure, whether that be you know, a crumbling military infrastructure that you guys could speak to better than I can, but I went to a high school that 25% of my class went to one of the academies, you know, and I hear from those guys, we're stranded in Guam because they don't have parts for the F-18 anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. It, it is it's nice. crazy. And I'm, that's and, that's a great point you made to think about like that. There's a, there's a difference between making a lot of money in those positions when you're in politics and then actually having to be oh, in the deep course. end of the pool. And, ha- and have, I, I had someone on all ends of still being successful. I had someone the other day say, well, isn't it terrible that you talk about the Clintons making $250 million when your father's a billionaire? I go, hey, there's a difference. My father's created jobs. My father's done this in the private sector. Yeah. The Clintons, what have they created? What have they created? They've created nothing. They've sold American influence. Okay, Bill Clinton gives a you know seven, six or seven figure check uh, in Russia. Two weeks later, Hillary Clinton signs off on us selling twenty percent of U.S. uranium to the Russians. I mean, think about that. That's heavy. Think about that. And by the way, that doesn't include uh, I, the hundreds of that. What about the ten billion that went into Haiti that no one in Haiti knows where it went? Uh, it went to all the Clinton friends. I mean, think about that. And I don't know what's worse, guys, that it's happening or that so few people actually care. That to me is what is shocking. I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, and, but, it's out in the open. It's just, it's just the, you know, people. Uh, yeah, all right, yeah, exactly. All right, here you go. Ready? <laughs> no, we, we go deep on yeah, that. Yeah, one, we'll, come, we'll pull out of that <laughs> yeah. rabbit hole yeah, well, right yeah. now. Right. You, you guys know more than me, but you, you understand what I'm talking about. Absolutely. You know a lot of the guys that I know, so you know, I know a lot of people within your community. I'm a competitive shooter. I'm a big hunter. The sportsmen's group, the shooting groups, they all sort of go hand in hand. So I have so many friends. I mean. You know, the thousands of stories that you guys could all tell about the inefficiency, the waste, the fraud, the abuse, the amount of time it takes to get simple things done. Hey, guys, politicians got us there. There's no, there's no difference in this batch than there was in the last, other than my father. And, and really, that's a partisan problem. And I'm a pretty conservative guy, but I got to say it. That's both sides of the aisle that are put in, in this mess. Uh, yep. Oh, there were plenty of times when we would go out into the civilian world to get our stuff because it just it, that, that, they know how to do it. So, yep. yep. I tell you, one, one thing uh, we were talking about. When I got a chance to meet it was, uh, and this leads me to my next question is the, the veterans community. I, it, look, here's the deal. And it keeps popping up on the news every day, but veterans dying in the streets and the, the VA problem is just, is just a travesty. That's an American travesty. Hey, I, I, I just can't, I want universal health care. Sure. I want everybody to be taken care of man. But if, if you think, if you want to know what that looks like, that's the VA. And the guys that came back and, and were getting spit on and everything are the ones that are dying now. And I, I'm, it's just yeah. kind of come full circle and that's just disgusting. And your dad understands that. It's one of the things that we talked about when uh, we were together with Governor Perry. But uh, yeah, it's disgusting that the men and women who go serve this country, they, they come back and, and they have worse health care than people who don't even belong here. Illegal immigrants that come on here. We want to there's people that want to give them Obamacare when we have tens of thousands of vets living in the streets in squalor. I mean, what, what have we become, man? I, I turn on the TV some mornings, and I, I see these, you know, you know, let's call them journalists, but they're, you know, basically, you know, libertarian, liberal uh, <laughs> uh, henchmen. You know, I call them journalists, but we'll, we'll use that in quotes. And they're saying, we should be more concerned about the feelings of people in Iran and, you know, the Middle East, who if they could push a button would wipe us off the face of the earth. People who can't stand our values, can't stand our religion, can't stand our freedoms. We should be more concerned about their feelings than we are about the safety and well-being of our children, than we are about the health and well-being of right. our vets coming back from these wars. Amen. And it's disgusting. And my father was talking about this from day one. You know, the, the VA system and what goes on, and I know you guys know more about it than I do, but again, I have a lot of friends in the community, and I see what goes on. I see the amount of time – 
that it gets. And I see all the loopholes that they figure out, well, you did this. You know, we were talking about Mark Geist, uh, you know, earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before anyone got on, and you know, who's a buddy of mine, you know, the ways that they'll try to, you know, make sure that he can't be part of the system because, you know, X Y Z because he was then a contractor, so it no longer counts. You know, it's disgusting, and and yet these are the same people that are rallying to give free health care to illegal immigrants. <laughs> they wanted to give them a, the guys. When you're on a plane, every time before you go up on a plane, and I've been on quite a few these days, they say, hey, if the plane goes down, put your oxygen mask on before you help those around you. Well, guess what, guys? we got to take care of America first. Amen. It's not like we don't have problems. Once we get rid of our problems, which we have plenty of, then we can worry about everyone else. But we got to take care of our vets. How about we educate our kids and not be number 28 or 30 in education in the world behind a long list of third world countries? You know, after that, we can do that, but we, we can't even take care of our own problems. And we want to bring in millions of people and put them on, on a system that doesn't – meanwhile, if you're competent, if you go to Harvard, we throw you out of the country, you know, and you're from another country, and you want to start businesses, and you want to do – we'll throw you out that quickly. It's crazy. None of this stuff makes any sense. Well, I, I can only imagine the Democrats want to do it so they can secure you know, the vote for the rest of eternity. But it's going to – we have to be able to take care of Americans first. And the fact that if you say that today, you're a racist, you're a Nazi, you're a fascist – I mean – it's crazy. I don't even know what's going on. It, it's well, we're not. not. I, <laughs> we say, and we're not. I'm, I'm I, you hear that all the time, too. And, and it's just, you know what? Don't throw that our direction. That crap it, won't it, stick. It's on right? Well, the, no, the, but the fact that they try and the fact that that's the narrative and they'll, they'll, they'll hit you with it so hard to try to suppress your free thought. You know, they, they want all this. You know, everything's about diversity today, except for diversity and thought. You know, you, you could fill you could fill all the check boxes, but you're not diverse unless you think exactly the way that they do, and that's scary. Well, it's, it's ludicrous. That, that's a great point you're making, and 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 that leads me into this you know next question, and and exactly what we're talking about here is you know your your guys' campaign slogan is to make America great again, and and to really become exceptional, right? To to stand out in the world in all these things, VA system, immigration, foreign affairs, all that stuff to become great again, and yeah. but you're you're right there is massive uh, anger in the streets right now how do you guys what is you know how does your dad how's he gonna let's say he gets elected how is he gonna bring the country back together again and show people hey listen being great and having america great again is a positive for you how is he gonna do that how's he gonna bridge this gap between us well, for, first of all, I think it's about infusing common sense back into D.C., right? Yeah. That's, been totally, that's been totally missing. There is no common sense anymore. Everything's based around, you know, some sort of PC uh, norm that it, it, it's ludicrous. So, uh, you know, honestly, I think the best way to do it is what he started sort of his drain the swamp campaign, right? <laughs> hey, congressional term limits. These guys shouldn't be in there for 35, 40 years sitting there, you know, getting their friends rich, okay? Preventing those same people in government and the high-level people who've been serving them from then going and being lobbyists for countries like Saudi Arabia so they can make millions of dollars, uh, you know, selling short America, you know, we, we got to infuse some common sense back into the system. I dig uh, it. We, we got to be able to take care of Americans first. I mean, think of what we could do if we could bring jobs back to this country instead of getting these ridiculous tax codes that, you know, the politicians can't understand. They can't understand them because they've never had to abide by them. You know, they exempt themselves from most of these rules first and foremost, but they've never created anything, so they wouldn't know how to do it. You know, bring that money back to the U.S. Put that back in the system. Think of what that could do. Right? That could... 
I mean, that could bring back Huge. a family structure. If Massive. you weren't so stressed about the finances, imagine what that would do. If you had a good family structure left in this country, if you, you got rid of that stress, if we could put it back into education, and not just education for one group, but put it, you know, the $20 billion that my father wants to put in inner city schools, that no one talks about because that would go against the media narrative of Trump's a terrible human being. But, <laughs> you know, he wants to do that for all people in this country. You know, let's try to break that cycle of poverty. Uh, you know, there's so much we can do, but we got to have some common sense. I like and we it. can't have the highest levels of government being influenced and on the salaries and payrolls of countries that hate us for their benefit. It doesn't work anymore. Well, well exactly, because it's such a pattern now that you don't want to disrupt anything enough to where it would make enough noise right. to, to draw attention. So that's that's a hundred a hundred percent. I think my father's also done something different in that he's also inspired other people. People who aren't bureaucrats, people who aren't just politicians. You know, they, they say, hey, Donald, I see it a hundred times. You know, Donald, you know, I may not want to run for office. I've seen what you've done. I've seen the hits that you've taken, the stones that have been thrown at you, the spears that have been launched at you. you know, I've seen all that. It may not be for me, but you know, I've been on the other side of government on this. I've been, you know, whether it's contractor, whatever it may be. And they say, you know what? I want to be in your cabinet. I want to work getting rid of the, the waste. I want to get work on getting rid of the fraud, the abuse, the inefficiency, the gridlock. Uh, that we've seen in D.C. So I think we have the opportunity to put in a cabinet uh, for the first time in a long time that's not just comprised of the same old, same old people. That's cool. The people who got us in this mess to begin with, uh, you know, to be able to get some people from outside of Washington inspired and into government, I think that would be awesome. Uh, and I've seen that's so many people come up to my father and say that they want to do that. So I think it's important. Well, that's, I think the scariest thing for them is he's going to walk in there and dumb me fired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's no joke. He's going to go in there and they're, they're scared to death. Oh, no, it, it, it's time. I mean, that's what he said. He wants to drain the swamp. He wants to impose congressional term limits. You know, get in and do what you were supposed to do based on what our four founding fathers wanted. We would have given Washington the kingship. We would have given him the lifetime presidency, but he didn't want it. He said, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to get it started, and then others are going to come in. I love now, it. Our founding fathers never envisioned a political elite class where people get in there, they sit there for decades. Decades. There's guys in there 35, 40 years. It's crazy. To do it what? is. To enrich their friends, to make sure that the same old stuff gets going. I mean, these are the guys that got us in this mess, and we want to reward them with the presidency again? I mean, the, the most corrupt candidate in the history of the presidency. You want to reward that kind of behavior by giving them the presidency? It's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, Absolutely. Baffling. It is. All right, brother. Hey, I, look, I appreciate you coming on here, man. I know you got a lot of stuff to do. Before we get out of here, though, there's one thing I'm, I'm kind of, I have to ask everybody this question when they come on here, man. I, I, you know, <laughs> just in case. I, I just need to know who, what your favorite superhero is, man. Come on, send it to me. My, mine or my father's? Well, I want both. Yeah. Send well, me you both. Know, I, I think, you know, I, I think for him, you know, it's got to be some sort of hybrid between Superman and Captain America. You need the American part, but I think Superman's got all these qualities that you want. I mean, he's got to, you know, for me, I don't know. I'm the son of a rich billionaire from Gotham, let's call it. Uh, so maybe I'm Batman. Yeah. I, love I think, it, I think I'm Batman. You, you just don't know it yet. You know, maybe one day it'll come out. Ah, that's epic. We need to talk about that offline. We, I think we get something going here, brother. That Batman thing. <laughs> you never know. Man. I mean, maybe I've been a vigilante crime fighter for uh, for years, and you just haven't known it yet. So maybe uh, I blew my cover. Well, your time uh, is coming, brother. Your time is coming. So hey, thank you again for having us on. Yeah, man. thank you so much, Donald Jr. We appreciate. it. God bless you. Hey guys, thank you so much. It was an honor speaking with you, and I look forward to speaking to you both soon. You Bye got bro. it. God bless you. Be good. Dude, I would say, you know, one of the one of the wild things is is everybody keeps saying how impressive the Trump kids are, right? 
and how committed they are, how focused, how how uh, uh, how well they speak, you know, how well, how eloquent they are, how you know, and how passionate they are about their father and the decisions made. I tell you what, I heard that loud and clear from Don Jr. Did you hear that? Oh, sure. You don't even have to talk to him and, and, and listen to that. You can just look at the, the family dynamic in, in the public spotlight and the fact they, they love each other. You can tell that. That's the one thing when I got a chance to meet him and spend the day with him, uh, that that's what stood out. I mean, it really does. I mean, even even I mean, even Secretary Clinton said so at the end of the day, you know, she goes, you know, what's the one thing you can say positive about you know, Mr. Trump? And and she's like, he's got great kids. <laughs> and 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 that well, says shows, a lot about the man, right? It does. It does. I, that said a ton. That she said that, that's that, that, especially if you have kids, you know what we're talking about. Oh my God. <laughs> that's everything. Oh, kids are great. And then you hear from your friend, like, oh, hey, the same person told me that your kids were a nightmare. I'm like, wait, my kids are a nightmare? <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, they were running all around breaking stuff. They had zero manners. <laughs> you want to just punch yourself in your own face, right? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's to run a, a billion dollar industry and, and to be in the public spotlight and, and on TV and, and, and running for president on, on top of which. Running a great family. That's uh, I thought it was real interesting too when he talked about you know his dad's greatest never quit story. I mean that really blew me away when you know he equated you know that guy on the street who had nothing to where he was nine hundred million nine hundred forty million dollars in the hole that that guy was richer than him and and that lesson that just it popped right back in his mind man that and that's powerful I think you know this guy although you know. Many people are, are questioning, I think, to his core, what he's been able to do with his children and and, and, and grow his business. There's something there, man. There's something powerful there. Well, I care about the country. Yeah. You can point fingers at them all day long about being billionaires and putting their name on buildings and stuff like that. I get that, too, man. But there's there's people who are billionaires that, that do that for themselves. Yep. A lot of people benefit from what they do. Yeah. Some people don't do that. And that's easy to, to overlook as well. I mean, you could very well shut it down and just how, how many people will be out of work. And you got to think somebody like that wouldn't wouldn't step aside and and do this and in order and give to tear that it, life up. To, yeah, to tear it down because then they would be losing as well. Big time. They'd be, he'd be he's going to, you know, this could affect his kids, his business, everything in the future. Right. And 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 he's still stepping up to the plate. And I've it, never met a grandfather that didn't want to leave this country better for their grandkids than they found it. Amen. I just never found one. Now, you can find a single guy. You might even find a dad. You ain't gonna find a grandfather that's gonna leave this thing in the in the in the ditches. No. That's just that's not how it works. I, I I've just never seen that. No, and it, and it, and that shouldn't be. That should be every person, every American should feel that, right? Every American should say, "What am I doing to make the country better?" Not to say that you shouldn't be, you know, focused on earning a good living and and, and making it out for your family and all that. But you you we each have a responsibility. Well, that's yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Educate, get out, take, grow a family and, and love them. And that's what he did his entire life. And now stepping up and going through that whole process of, of being a civilian and now stepping into the, uh, into the political world. That's, that's how it's supposed to work, actually. <laughs> it right? is, isn't it? Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that is, that is kind of how it's supposed to work for sure. 
Well, Marcus, man, I, you know, I, I, brother, I, I, you know, it was great having him on. I think hopefully this will give some people a new perspective and, and really hope just people, you know, make a good decision here next week and, and, and a decision that they care about. They did a decision with which, whatever side of the aisle that they've invested themselves. They've been educated on these topics, some of which we talked about in the beginning. And they really are focused on, on what is going to help America. And I think, you know, regardless if they go blue or go red, man, just make an informed decision and, and, and keep America going as it needs to go. Cause we're, we need, we need some positivity out there, brother. Oh, sure. And don't be afraid. I mean, this country is great. And we're all, we're going to survive. Don't worry about it. Amen to that. Just, uh, you know, just, you said it perfectly, man. I mean, just be proud. Get out there. And, and, and this is this is the time of year where this country does this. It happens every time. And I, every year, it's like, this is the worst one we've ever had. And then <laughs> we, Try the Civil we War. We love each other too much not to, to let anything come in between it. So uh, we'll rally back together, right? Who you want to give thanks to, brother? I'll give thanks to the good Lord for giving me all my abilities. And thanks to my friends who helped me find them. And thanks to my wife for finding me and loving me. Man, I love that woman, boy. Uh, I love you, honey. <laughs> Boss. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, I love you, babe. And uh, thanks to uh, for for DJ coming on here, man. I got a busy schedule, and, and I, I've, I've been out with them for a couple times, so I know how crazy it is, man. For them to take the time to do that was, uh, was a lot. So thanks to the uh, Trump family. Thank you. That's cool. I, I just want to thank, you know, again, I want to thank God first and foremost. I want to thank America. You know, America, you've given me so much and, and just really just feel totally blessed to be an American, to be have participated with America on the front lines and, and to and now to, to be assisting and helping people make good decisions. I want to thank my family. Thank you, Marcus, for doing the show with me, brother. Uh, I feel very blessed for us to be able to have this outreach to influence our listeners that, hey, you know, even when the times are tough, even when things seem crazy, even when there's a lot of anger going on, a lot of challenges, man, just don't quit. Stay focused and don't quit. Lead a good life and, and support America, man, and, and you're going to get through it, I promise you. So thank you so much, and uh, God bless. Let's roll. I'm out. I'm out.